0: Good morning. Well, it's so good to be back. Um, It really is a joy to be back in Bloomfield, Kentucky, to see everybody. Um, I'm so thankful that the Lord provided this opportunity for for Adrian and I to to come back and to serve here. Um, This this church means a whole lot to us. Uh, We we love you. We we have a lot of brothers and sisters and, and friends in this room, in this church, and we're just so grateful to be back. Um, and the Lord made it very clear. I don't have time to share that whole story this morning, but I'll just say this. The Lord made it very clear that, that he was calling us back here. Uh, the timing of everything was just was just perfect, and uh, we're very thankful for that. We're excited to be back here and to do ministry here and to, and to do mission here. So we were over on the other side of the world doing doing missions and we we want to come back with the mindset of we're we're missionaries here too okay and not only us all of us are and that's what i want to talk about this morning from john chapter four so if you have your bible you can open up to john chapter four we're going to be in verses 27 through 42 and if you're able to uh, would you please stand for the reading of god's word Just then, his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray, um, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would, um, just as we sang, that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, please, please speak through me. Be gracious to me now and speak, speak to us through your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Y'all can be seated. So, has, has anyone ever been in a Bloomfield traffic jam before? But, by the way, I'm not talking about this stoplight situation that's going on down here. I'm talking about a typical Bloomfield traffic jam... That happens this time of year. anybody know what that is that's all right, getting stuck behind a combine, so this year we're dealing with a different kind of situation. But in a typical year, around this time of year, a bloomfield traffic jam, the only time you experience that is typically when you're when you're stuck behind some some sort of big farming farming implement, oftentimes it's a combine. but what's that mean? It means it's a good thing. it means it's harvest time. It means all the All the year's work is is being accomplished, being put up in the grain bins. The the fruit of the year's labor is coming to fruition. So I love it when that happens. I love it when I see that. I love fall. It's my favorite time of year. But let me ask you another question. In In order for farmers to harvest grain in October or November, what had to happen six months ago? The simple question. Yeah, that's right. They had they had to plant the seeds. It doesn't just happen. You can't you don't just go out to a an empty field that no one's labored in, that no one's worked the ground, no one's planted seeds, no one's spread fertilizer, and harvest anything. It's not gonna it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna bear any fruit, right? So, in the same way, the the only reason that that right now is harvest time is because Around six months ago, well, they, they were out planting seeds. People like Clayton Rogers was out having late nights uh, in between rain, planting seeds in the ground for hours. And so because of that labor, there's a harvest. Okay, so that's, that's what we're going to see from the text this morning is the importance of both planting and harvesting in the work of sharing the gospel with others. And we tend to glorify the harvesting And evangelism, we tend to uphold that as, well, that's what evangelism really is, is harvesting, leading people to faith, leading people to Christ in that moment. And that's what we think of evangelism. But that only happens because oftentimes, and this is what we learned from our experience in Israel, is oftentimes people have gone before you and planted seeds of the gospel many times in that person's life. And the Lord's been working on that person's heart through, through other people. And then you get to come in and share in that harvest of what you get to join into the labor of other faithful men and women before you. Okay, so planting and harvesting. But first, let's look at verse 27 uh, where, the, where the story begins. So this, this John chapter 4 is preached a lot, uh, but most of the time it's the first half of John chapter 4 that gets preached. So a lot of us in here are familiar with the first half of the story, uh, but I'll sum it up very briefly just in case you're not aware of it. So the first half of the story, Jesus is traveling from the Galilee region to Jerusalem. It's, it's hot. It's the middle, of the, the middle of the day. They stop at a well, Jacob's well, um, in Samaria to get some water. And he, he meets a Samaritan woman there. The disciples go into town to buy some food for their journey. And Jesus gets in a gospel conversation with her, as he, as he does. That's what's on Jesus' mind. That's what he lives for. That's what he said his food is to do the will of God. That's what he does, is he, he's constantly sharing the gospel with others and healing others. And he reveals to her that he's the Messiah. She's there to receive, to get water. And he says, I have water for you that, that will make you never thirst again. He's speaking about the living water that leads to eternal life, which is ultimately himself. And she believes in that moment and understands that he is the Messiah. And and right around this moment, it says, just then, his disciples come back. And first off, it says they marveled that he was talking with a woman. And then if you look down earlier in the chapter, we didn't read this verse, but in verse 9... It says the Samaritan woman said to him when they first began their conversation, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Okay, so that leads me to point one. Point one in your outline is that sharing the gospel will often cause us to be around people or places that make you and them uncomfortable. Okay, obviously, this was an awkward situation. Some, some people were uncomfortable. The woman was, was clearly a little bit uncomfortable. This isn't a normal thing that happens. Um, this, this Jewish man is, is talking with me. Well, in that culture, in that time, and really still today, and you can go to Israel today, you can go to Samaria today. Adrian and I went to Mount Gerizim, right above where Jacob's well is, and there's still a Samaritan village there to this day that's isolated, and that's where Samaritans live, and they have sacrifice um, in in the spring on Passover, and they don't don't interact with either the Arabs or the the Muslims or the Jews around them. They're their own distinct people still to this day. So so 2,000 years ago, this was the situation, but Jesus knows that that, that he's the Savior of the world, of, of all people, and so he shares the gospel with her. And, and then even the disciples recognized this is an awkward or uncomfortable situation. So they, it says they, were, they marveled or they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. So not only was it uncommon for, for Jews and Samaritans to interact, but it was, it was uncommon in that culture for, for men and women to have conversations with one another. Um, so sharing the gospel, it's, it's often going to put you around people or places that make you and them uncomfortable. Sharing the gospel—it's it, difficult and uncomfortable enough already. Um, you, you're having to—you're having to talk to people, and and most people in our culture today are just not used to talking to to strangers or, or other people outside of their close family and friends, and having a a real life conversation about something me- meaningful, more meaningful than the weather. Or college football. So as soon, as soon as you start talking to really anyone about something serious. About, about life. that The things that matter in life. are about death. Or about God. And sin. And judgment. It's just. It's an, it's an uncomfortable uh, conversation for a lot of people to have. Uh, people have to face the reality of their sin. And of God's judgment on their life. Of the consequences of their sin. Of, of, of God's eternal Judgment on sinners who've broken God's law. Okay, that's uncomfortable to talk about. People, that's bad news. People don't like to talk about those things. And that's part of sharing the gospel. Of course, we share, people, we share with people the good news of salvation, of grace, of forgiveness that's offered through the cross of Jesus Christ. But in order to share the good news with people, they first have to understand the bad news of their sin. And and not only is sharing the gospel an awkward conversation in in and of itself, but oftentimes um, as believers, we tend to surround ourselves, and this isn't just believers, this is anybody, we tend to surround ourselves uh, uh, with people that think just like us. So as believers, a lot of times we spend time with other believers, with our church family and friends and and so if, you, if we're going to go out and, and share the gospel with people, it could put us in situations like this where we're just around people that we're not usually around. We're around people that don't think the same way we do, that don't look the same way we do. Okay, But Jesus continually models this for us. He's continually going to those who are often different and look down upon In the culture, in his day, it was the tax collectors, it was the sick, it was the crippled and the lame, the prostitutes. And people like this Samaritan woman, who was an adulteress, Jesus knew that she had had five husbands. And these are the people that Jesus sought out. Okay, God's word says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the heart of Of Jesus Christ. This is the heart of God. To save sinners. So we need. To love people enough. To put ourselves in uncomfortable situations. To share the life changing truth of the gospel with them. We need to love people enough. To put ourselves in those types of situations. And so within within the missions part of my role. um, I want to especially focus on. Local missions. I want to especially focus on reaching people right here in Bloomfield, right here in Nelson County, right here in Bardstown. But that starts with us, all of us as a church family, being intentional about sharing the gospel with others in our life. Okay, that's the foundation of local mission. Before we talk about different ministries and programs, and there's plenty of things I want to talk about in those areas, But the foundation of local mission is us as the church in our everyday life going out and sharing the gospel with others. Now, look at what happens next in verses uh, 28 and 29. It says that the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the Messiah? So that leads me to point two, anyone who has encountered Jesus Christ and believes in him is qualified to share the gospel. Okay, how long had this woman been a believer? Yeah, a few minutes, a few minutes, right? And she's immediately going out and being an evangelist. She's going back to her hometown and sharing the gospel with other people. And here's the amazing thing. Look down, skip down to verse 39, and it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And I hope and I pray that it's said here, right here in Nelson County, many Bloomfieldians believed in him, believed in Christ because of Rob Walker's testimony. Because of Terry Wayne's testimony. Because of Amy Coulter's testimony. Okay, the point here is, is that anyone can do this. In order to share the gospel with others, you don't have to be a trained expert. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to attend some evangelism seminar with the latest tips and tricks of how to start a gospel conversation with others. You have to know Jesus, that's the only qualification. At the moment of salvation, you're born again and you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit and you're sealed for eternal life. And at that moment, you have all that you need to share the gospel with other people. You have a new heart. You're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You have a testimony of how Jesus changed your life and saved you from sin. So I'm saying that to encourage everyone, everyone in this room, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if if this Samaritan woman who just met Jesus at the well, if she was able and qualified and authorized to share the gospel, then all of us are in this room too if you know Jesus. I've heard it said before that that evangelism, I love this quote, evangelism is simply one beggar sharing with another where to find bread. Evangelism is one beggar sharing with another where to find bread. So we are simply pointing people toward Jesus and and, and sharing with people how to receive the source of life. Again, you don't have to be an expert. You have to know the expert. You have to know Jesus, okay? You don't have to, to be the expert. And, and sharing your testimony, just as this woman did, sharing your testimony, is a, it's a very simple and powerful thing. And it's something that anyone can do if you're a believer. Just, just, you just need to answer a few questions. How did you become a believer? Do you remember when you became a believer? Um, what was your life like before you became a believer in Christ? How how has Jesus changed you? And not only that, a lot of us think about, a lot of us think, well, our testimony is only talking about that moment, that very moment when I received Christ as as my personal Lord and Savior. But I think part of our testimony also is sharing with people how he is working in your life and how he was changing you right now. So sharing with people not only how you became a believer, but how he affects your everyday life, how he affects your marriage, how he affects how you raise your children, sharing with people all the the answered prayers you've seen in your life so that people can see that it's not just a one-time decision, but that that you have a relationship with Christ and you're walking with him. So anyone can do this. Anyone can share their testimony who's a believer in Jesus Christ. So let's see what happens next in the story. Look at verse 31. Okay, so the, I love this part of the story because this amazing thing is happening, right? Um, this woman has just come to faith. She believes Jesus is the Messiah. She's running into the town. She's telling everyone she knows about this. People are coming to faith. And, and what do the disciples, the disciples have something very important to say in this moment, okay? What do they say? They say, Rabbi, eat. okay. They're thinking about lunch right now. Um, I'm convinced that this dialogue here between Jesus and the disciples in these verses is the most important part of this chapter because it, the whole chapter up to this point has been about the story of this woman, how she came to faith, how she shared her testimony with others, and then the, the disciples come in and just interrupt the story. And it causes the reader's attention to, to look at this dialogue between Jesus and the disciples. It grabs our attention. And Jesus is going to make some strong points here. But again, the, the, something amazing is happening and the disciples' minds is on food. And so they're not too different from us, right? There may be some of you right now who <laughs> you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch today. You're thinking, you know, do I want to... Don't want to go to hometown pizza today, but then I'd have to go through the light and sit there. It might be as as long as that would take. It might be worth just going into Bardstown today and getting something a little bit better. Okay, you might be thinking, well, how long is David going to keep preaching this morning? I'm my stomach's starting to growl. I might go to Bart Smart after the early service and get a biscuit. Okay, so so we're just like the disciples, right? And that's what that's what's amazing about the disciples is that. Jesus called ordinary men, ordinary fishermen, tradesmen, and, and changed their life and used them to change the whole world. But you can't blame the disciples because this was, this was part of their job, actually, as students. He was their teacher, their rabbi, and they were his students, and that was part of the role of the disciples. They would, they would prepare the food. And so we, we see an example of this. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, it was the disciples' responsibility to distribute and gather the bread and the fish. And then in Luke 22, he asked the disciples to prepare the Passover meal. So I think this is something they were used to, used to doing. But the point is, regardless, was at that moment, the disciples were purely focused on the physical needs at the moment. And Jesus is directing their attention to the spiritual needs. Okay, so they, they tell him to eat, and Jesus says, well, I already have food to eat that you don't know about. And they, they, they probably they look around at each other, and they, they, say, um, they say, you know, has anyone, has anyone brought him something to eat? They're thinking, did somebody run off and come back real quick and give Jesus something to eat to try to earn his favor? Or maybe they're thinking, well, did Jesus have this stash of food that he's been, that he's been uh, holding out on, or what's going on here? Um, again their mind is still on the physical on the food and Jesus Jesus says something very important here he says my food is to do do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work that's amazing this is Jesus' greatest desire this is what sustains him this is what gets him out of bed in the morning to obey God the Father, to accomplish the work of God the Father. That's what Jesus' focus is in life. Always. You see throughout the Gospels, when he has free time, what does he do? He would slip away, it says, and pray. He was constantly praying. He was constantly interacting with With others and doing ministry with others. This was Jesus's food. And think, what if this was our greatest desire every day? How much, how would this change Bloomfield and Nelson County if if we woke up every morning and our food, our greatest desire, what sustains us is to do the will of God? And then Jesus says, right here, I think that this, this sentence here may be the most important verse in the text. It's the only command in the passage, the only imperative in the passage. And he says it, he repeats it three times there in verse 35. Jesus says, do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. He's saying, you know, how to, you know how to tell when a harvest is coming physically. Then he says, look. I tell you, look, lift up your eyes and see. So he repeats that command three times. Look, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. I want to tell you a quick story from our time in Israel. Um, This happened September eighteenth, two 2018, which was uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement in Israel. And Adrian and I were living near Tel Aviv. We had landed in the country September 16th, um, so two days earlier, okay, first time to the country, didn't know anybody, didn't know anything about the place. Uh, we would just, showed up, got off the airplane, we were there, and we were praying for opportunities to meet people, to, to, to share the gospel with people, and so it was the Day of Atonement, so we, we heard that there was some big events happening at the synagogue that night, and so me and Adrian, we went, and I was sitting there on a bench, and the sun was going down, and on that evening, the rabbi comes out, and he blows a ram's horn um, to say, the day of atonement's over, you can stop fasting, your sins are forgiven for another year, okay, and so people all gather around, and they wear white, and they're waiting for this moment, and so me and Adrian were sitting there waiting, and I was I was praying and asking the Lord um, to, to give me a, an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And right about that moment, I looked up, and I see a guy. Uh, I don't even see the guy. I just see the words on his shirt. So everyone's wearing plain white, but, but there's this T-shirt, a, a plain white T-shirt, but in bold black letters across his chest, that says, follow me. Okay? <laughs> So I've, I've been in Israel two days, and I look up and I see this, and obviously it caught my attention. And I looked a little closer, and it had a, a little fishing boat under the words, follow me, like a, an old-fashioned fishing boat you might see on the Sea of Galilee. So obviously this brings my mind to, to um, when Jesus called the first disciples, said, drop your nets and follow me. And I'm thinking, well, who, well, who's this guy? Why is he wearing this shirt? So I go up to him, ask him about the shirt, I said, does this shirt mean anything to you? Is it, mean, is it special to you? And he just looked at his wife and he said, I don't know. What's it say? She bought it for me. And so he, he, she probably picked it up, didn't even know what it was. His wife didn't speak any English really. She probably just got it at this, some shop in Israel, some, some tourist shirt about Jesus on the Sea of Galilee and had no clue what it was. And here he is wearing it to a synagogue on the holiest day of the year in Israel. So long story short, that brief interaction led to a two-year relationship with him, his family. We were invited to his family's Passover that year, met his best friend. Um, Him and his best friend would hang out every Sunday night and watch, watch soccer, eat pizza, play Call of Duty or video games. And so I would go hang out with those guys on Sunday nights. And again, long story short, um, got, to, got to plant a lot of seeds in his, his life, his family's life, share the gospel with him and his family and friends. But long story short, his, his best friend, who I spent a lot of time with on Sunday evenings, just called me last week on the phone and said, David, I've read through the gospel of John. for the third time in a row now. And he said, man, there's something about this book that's different. He said, man, I, I don't know what's going on, but this is, this is something different. This is challenging me. And this book that we're, we're reading out of, that I'm preaching out of right now, he, he's reading it. He's encountering Jesus in the scriptures. He now, he now believes and, and admits that Jesus is the Messiah, that he died on the cross. To, for, as a sacrifice for sins that he's a fulfillment of the prophecies and he's wrestling with the decision to personally bow the knee to Jesus Christ to make him the Lord and Savior of his life so you could be praying for him right now um, so the point is, is in that moment when I just literally looked up to, to see other people around me the Lord brought a person it was, it was God's work he brought this person right into my life that would lead to the opportunity to share the gospel with many different people through that one interaction. Okay, so again, the point here is to look, to lift up your eyes and see. And if only, if only we had eyes to see people the way that God sees people. Listen to Matthew 9, 36 through 30, 38. It's, it's speaking about Jesus, and it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, when Jesus sees people, when Jesus sees a, crowds, a crowd of people, he sees their soul. He sees people created in the image of God who need salvation, who need hope. And so every single person you come into contact with in your everyday life, they are a a precious soul created in the image of God who needs hope, who needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So a lot of us need to literally look up from our cell phones in life and intentionally engage with other people around us. Jesus literally says, look up and see. We need to literally look up from our to do lists and from all the things that are the temporary things that are going on in our life and talk to other people and share the gospel with other people and have meaningful conversations with other people. There are people out there right now at this moment who the Holy Spirit has prepared their heart to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seeds have been planted in their hearts before. And if we would share the gospel with them, they would respond in faith. Okay, so again, I want to encourage you to to see the harvest. Okay, see people out there who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and pray for boldness to go and do that. Okay, so finally, lastly, I want to look at what Jesus emphasizes in verse 36 through 38. So Jesus says, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper, or planter and harvester, may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Okay, I want to ask a question. Um, Have you ever had, anyone in here ever had a rock in your shoe before? You know what that's like? Um what what do you do at first? You know, you realize it's in there, and at first you just kinda shake your foot and you try to shuffle it around to maybe get somewhere where you don't feel it as much, and then you keep walking. And maybe for a few steps, you know, it's you don't feel it, and then it, it shuffles around again, and all of a sudden it's uncomfortable. And every step you take, all you can think about is that rock in your shoe, right? In the same way, um, the first time you share the gospel with someone, and it, it, it's kind of like putting a rock in their shoe, okay, in a good way. Now, now I do want to say the word of the gospel is not a rock. It's not this lifeless rock. It's a life-giving seed that produces spiritual fruit when it takes root in a person's heart. But the point is when you, when you plant the gospel in someone's heart, they can't ignore it anymore. It's, it's there. You've done it. You've shared the gospel with them. They've, they're, they're having to think about the reality of their sin and the consequences of their sin and the reality that there is a solution to this through Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross. And so, again, we, we need to go out and plant seeds of the gospel in people's life. And in this story here, there was, there was an immediate response to the gospel. When the, when the woman shared her testimony, people believed. But that's not always the case, and Jesus was, I think, pointing that out and saying, "You're you're reaping, you're harvesting what others had planted." And it's probable that he was referring to the the ministry of John the Baptist, who'd gone before him, that we 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 read about a few chapters earlier, where John the Baptist is going out and preaching the gospel of repentance, and he's proclaiming, "You know, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." So the ministry of John the Baptist had prepared the way for the Messiah. And now the disciples and people like this woman were going out and harvesting those seeds that have been planted. So in the same way, in evangelism, we need to go out and not only plant seeds, but also harvest. And you don't know which one it is when you go share the gospel with someone. Only God knows their heart. Okay. But regardless, and what I want to stress here is that regardless of the result, regardless of how they respond in that moment, Success is faithfulness, okay? Success is not someone to come into faith in that moment because if you share the gospel with them, and this is something I learned in Israel, is a lot of times they, they could come to faith weeks later, months later, sometimes years later. But that, that seed of the gospel that was put in their heart will, will be there. And um, if it's continued to be watered and, and the work of the Holy Spirit can, can bear fruit for eternal life i want to share another quick story with you and then we'll be done Um, and this is just to illustrate a time that there was one time i went out and shared the gospel um, on the streets in tel aviv and i was with another um, israeli believer and we had a bunch of uh, hebrew new testaments and we just wanted to go and plant seeds as many as we could we just wanted to to, to broadcast. It's like when you're broadcasting seeds, that would, that's what we were aiming to do, just share the gospel with people, give them New Testaments. And we, we stopped at this little uh, street food restaurant, guy making falafel and kebab and pita bread, and it's delicious, and um, stopped and shared the gospel with him and then offered him a New Testament. And he put his hands up. He said, no, 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 can't, can't touch that. Can't, can't be near that. Okay, and and unfortunately in that culture, it's like a curse, it's like a bad omen, it's like a bad look to even touch it or have it in your home or anything like that. And so I just opened, I said, would you just read the first first sentence of the book, that's all, okay, because they've been told that it's a a pagan book, uh, a pagan book about false gods and different things, and. It's not Jewish at all, even though the whole New Testament was written by Jewish people. And Jesus is Jewish, right? Um, he's a ra- he was a rabbi, the Jewish Messiah. So I just said, would you just read the first sentence? And I said, you don't have to touch it. I'll hold it for you. And um, he, he read the first sentence, and it starts out, The Gospel of Yeshua, the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. Okay, now this is speaking his language, the Son of David the son of Abraham, the seed, the offspring, the Messiah. Who is this guy? So I see his eyes. He keeps reading a little bit further through the genealogy. Then it gets into the narrative, and he grabs it from me and starts reading and turning pages. And then his friend walks up. He's like, hey, man, what are you doing right now? Why, what is that? That's the New Testament. Why are you reading that right now? And he says, look. And he shows his friend, and then his friend looks at me and says, do you have another one? And I said, sure. And I pulled one out and gave him one. Okay, this is to show just the power of God's word. Sometimes just sharing, just, just sharing a verse with someone, giving someone a Bible. Okay, and they didn't come to faith that night. I don't know where they are right now. Okay, but, but that was a seed planted of the gospel, and they, they took the word of God. And they they could be believers now. They could come to faith at some point later. Okay, but the point is, is that um, if we're faithful to, to plant seeds, that then then there will be a harvest one day. So I just want to challenge you: uh, Who is one person that you could share the gospel with this week? Right now, where you are, if you have a pen, right right write down a name. If you don't have a pen, who who's the first person who comes to your mind? Maybe the Lord's putting a name on your heart right now. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor. Okay, but who's one person you should you could share the gospel with this week? And and if you have a name, come share it with me after the service. I, I, I want to pray for them by name. And and if you wanted to, I'd, if it would make you comfortable, I'd love to, to go, I'd love to go with you and meet this person and share the gospel with them together. In fact, just last week, Terry Wayne came up to me and said, Hey, David, there, there's a man that um, needs to hear the gospel that's been on my heart. Would you go with me sometime soon and talk with him with me? I said, Terry Wayne, there's... There's nothing that makes me happier than hearing somebody ask me that question. So we're planning on doing that this week, Lord willing. Okay? So, and some of you are thinking, well, it's coronavirus going on right now. This isn't the time to be going out and doing evangelism. All I'll say about that is just, that's not true. That's not a good excuse. And I'll say this, this, the past six months... The, the last six months in Israel were our most fruitful time. From this year in 2020, since the lockdown, there were five people who, who were baptized. Um, it was a very exciting time to be involved in that. So people right now, in fact, it's quite the opposite. In fact, a global pandemic has a way of making people think about what really matters in life and about death and about what happens next. And the last thing I want to ask is, are you prepared to share your testimony? Do you have a testimony? Okay, you have to actually know Christ and and be a believer. And some of us in this room may not be a believer. We may not have a testimony. Okay, so I, I want to challenge you. Before you go out and share the gospel, you cannot give what you don't have. Okay, so I'd love to talk with you personally about coming to faith in Christ if you don't know him. So let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and God, I pray that you would give us boldness, that you would empower us with the Holy Spirit to, to share the gospel, all of us as a church. Lord, I pray that uh, for the people that are on people's minds even right now, Lord, I pray for them that, that their hearts will be prepared to hear the gospel, and Lord, I just pray that, that we would be found faithful. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen.